0: Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DW. void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. We're back live and local with former NFL executive Tony
1: Soffley on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR.
2: Happy Fourth of July weekend, Seattle. Hope you're enjoying it. We're headed into our second hour of Tony Softly on Saturdays. Again, you want to join us, 206-286-9595. I welcome the phone calls. Let's have some discussions. Or if you're shy and you don't want to do it or you just can't get near a phone, everybody can get near a phone, text us at 49451. Remember, the uh, fans' voice at 145 talking about uh, the absence of Bobby Wagner on the NFL's uh, top 100 list. Do you have an opinion? Or we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. But right now, it's my man, Curtis Crabtree. Kurt, what's happening, man?
1: Oh, not a whole lot.
2: Okay, so so uh, Dougie, Dougie, Angry Doug. Well, I don't call him Angry Doug anymore. That's what everybody else does. He's earned himself a nice little catch there, man. He ran a nice route, meaning undrafted, free agent, college free agent. And has earned himself into the seventh highest paid wide receiver in the National Football League. Tell us a little bit about his contract and all that, man.
1: Uh, I think it fell right about where you expected it to. Um, when you saw Alan Hearns get $11 million a year from the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then Keenan Allen get $11.25 million a year from uh, the uh, San Diego Chargers. Doug Baldwin's done more, accomplished more, had better 2015 season than either of those two guys. So you knew he was going to get more money than, than either of them did when it comes to the new money aspect of the contract. Now, wh- now basically you could average it out and say that his contract's a five-year contract and drop the average per year. If you break it out that way, the w- depending on how you look at it. Right. Um, and ultimately when you do that, the cap um, perspective, isn't all that prohibitive for Seattle. When you uh, think about where the cap's going to continue to move, mm-hmm. but certainly his contract came in right about where you expect with 11 and a a year, um, in new money, and I think it's pretty well deserved, given yep. what he's been able to do. No,
2: I agree with everything you said, and and uh, you know the thing about Doug is is his performance on the field, off the field. We talked about his leadership qualities uh, when I was on the Chuck Powell Show uh, on Friday. Uh, you know, when you look at the the. Wide receivers ahead of him as far as money. Let's just talk about those guys. A.J. Green Bengals, Sean Jeffries, the Bears, Julio Jones, the Falcons, uh, Demarius Thomas, the Broncos, Dez Bryant Cowboys, and T.Y. Hilton for the Colts. He, he, I mean, he fits in there as far as athletically and as a receiver as well as, uh, you know, the money situation like you mentioned. He's 11, what is it, 11,5? Uh, 11 11,
1: yeah, 11-and-a-half. Yeah.
2: Now, it was an extension. Yes. Okay. He, he's,
1: he was still under contract for 2016 before this contract.
2: You look at some of his numbers, you know, receivers in the top 10 in, in passing, receiving percentage. He's number one at 75.7%. I, I think that I didn't think he was that high. I knew he was an efficient wide receiver. But I'm starting. I mean, he's beating out guys like, you, you know, you talked about Keenan Allen, uh, Jameson Crowder, you know, Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald. Then you got Danny Amendola, Eddie Eddie Royal, Tyler Lockett is number seven on that list of ten,
1: and I think Curse is not too far behind either.
2: He, j- I think he he is number nine. He is number nine. So I mean, I mean, uh, so that tells me two things. One, they've got receivers that, you know, when you look at the highest pass uh, reception percentage, they catch the ball, but you also have a quarterback that puts it on the numbers or throws it to an area only these guys can get to. So you you see three guys. Uh, on the top 10 list, and I, I think that's that's really, really good, especially for a team that's really known for being a run-first team. But they opened it up the last uh, part of the season last year and, and did some phenomenal things and put up some phenomenal numbers. I um, mean, You look at San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, at Minnesota, at Baltimore, Cleveland, St. Louis, at Arizona. That was the seven-game stretch, uh, six-game stretch, where Russell Wilson put up some big numbers, and he was throwing to guys like this, Doug Baldwin. Um, you know, that, that, uh, did the numbers surprise you really?
1: No, they really didn't.
2: I mean, when you look at how everybody else got it, but I mean, there was a big debate. Is he a $10 million receiver? And I, I heard it everywhere. No, 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 no. All of a sudden he gets 11 million. Everybody forgot what they were saying, but I, you know, at-
1: it, it's, you have to compare to other contracts. And as soon as Hearns and Allen got what they got Baldwin's market, was it starting at that? I mean that he was going to get at least what they got period. And so no, I wasn't surprised by that at all. And that being said, just to use Russell Wilson's contract as a as a corollary here, everybody thought Russell Wilson was maybe even getting paid too much a year ago, right? When he when he got the contract he did that I think averages just over 21 million a year all that and all that. Well, then this offseason, Brock Osweiler gets paid 18 million a year coming off of seven career starts. Yep. Now all of a sudden that doesn't look all that much anymore. And each of these contracts with the, the salary cap continuing to jump by like 10 million a year uh, and the revenues going up in the league by about a billion a year at this point. um, As soon as Emmanuel Sanders gets a new contract, as soon as Odell Beckham comes through to get new contracts, all of a sudden Doug Baldwin's contract isn't going to look very big anymore because they're going to get like 13 and a half, 14 million a year. And now all of a sudden it looks a little bit different again.
2: You know, it's, it's the, it's the general managers and the agents that, work and do the market thing? Where does he fit in? what's the value? And then it's the personnel guys that bring it to the general manager and say, hey listen, this is what he is, this is his DNA. this is what he is as a player. This is where he fits in and, and helps us in our scheme. This is where he would be projected to other schemes around the league. We can't afford to lose a guy like this. So yeah, you got you got to kind of have that 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 uh, conversation and, and fit him into certain slots where other guys are getting paid that you feel his value lies. And uh, I think John Snyder did an exceptional job uh, of getting this done. And uh, Doug deserves, you know, uh, the money that he received based on his performance, especially last year. But he's been an efficient wide receiver since he's got in the league. And, and uh, I'm, I'm just real happy for him. Yeah, his he has,
1: but you still need to, to pile up some manner of statistics to be able to, to back it up with. I mean, I think he passes the eye test and always has. But then you get the numbers to kind of back it up too. In a contract year, you've done a very nice thing for yourself.
2: Oh, there's yeah. no question. There's no question. But I like what he's done since he's been here. Let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about uh, uh, Mr. Luck over there at the Colts. He got he got a big payday. Is that is, yeah? He did. did. I mean, jeez, Louise. I, I,
1: I this is a one that we always felt was going to be the case too. I mean, he. Was why? Go- why do you feel that? Because of what he was coming out of Stanford, he's been pretty good. Throughout his first several seasons,
2: he, he hasn't and, won a Super Bowl.
1: No, he has not. But uh, you have to have a quarterback in order to win in the NFL, I and agree. once you got one, you got to roll with them, and that's what they did here with Andrew Luck. Um, has he been able to qu- quite put up the 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 numbers and the wins that some of the, uh, you know a guy like Russell Wilson has? Not quite yet. Um, but it's part of that's because I think. Um, Indianapolis's front office has not been very good for that organization the last couple years, too, with Ryan Grigson. Grigson is living off the credit of drafting Andrew Luck, which any blind squirrel could have done. Um, he's has not filled that team in around him as well as he could have. Um, and Luck has suffered a little bit because of that. I think because uh, of the, the issues that they've had protecting him, too, uh, he's gotten a little gun-shy at times in the pocket, which has affected him as well. But certainly, look, when he came out of college, he should have been the number one pick. He should have been even higher than the number one pick if you could have. I mean, he was the cream of the crop that year by any measure you could look at and um, was absolutely phenomenal during his career at Stanford. You saw it. When you watched him at Stanford. you saw it. And he still got that in him. And I still think it's one of those situations where – they're going to end up paying him for what he's going to do and more so than the numbers that he has done so far.
2: Yeah, and that's what I was getting at. And and they're paying him for future, uh, you know, production. Uh, You know, the one thing I do like about the guy is he's had more fourth-quarter comebacks than any other quarterback. Well, there there was a reason for that because in the first two quarters of of any game last year and the year before, he was throwing more interceptions. So he was putting them in a hole, so they had to have those fourth-quarter comebacks. But I'm like you. I watched this guy at Stanford. I mean, he was – He was the cream of the crop that year of the draft. He was the guy that, uh, you know, had all the leadership skills. He could run the football. He could throw. He was very accurate, and that's the number one thing for me and any other personnel guy is a quarterback accurate. Forget about velocity and and all that stuff. He's got to be accurate. He's got to be smart, and then he's got to be tough. Those are the three qualities you look for, Uh, and and so he had all that. Um, You know, I'm like you. I think they're paying him a little bit for what's to come and not what has happened. Uh, what was it? What he, he missed games last year. Was it a spleen?
1: Yeah, I believe so.
2: Yeah, he'll be back from that. I know he's getting. Well, you know, he was a high draft pick, so he was already getting paid millions. Anyway. Yeah,
1: this isn't. You know, it, it's not quite the Russell Wilson scenario where you go from making one right, four in rounder. your final year to getting 20 million. It's, you know, he was making good money anyway. Uh, so he certainly was under no pressure to do a deal right away by any stretch. Of that, he could wait it out for something that was right for him. And uh, I think you saw that kind of play into what he ultimately got as well.
2: Talk to me a little bit about uh, Trayvon Boykin uh, pleaded no contest on his situation coming out of uh, TCU.
3: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
3: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
3: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Yeah, that was an incident that happened back before the Alamo Bowl, I believe, yes. um, back in uh, December or January. I can't remember the exact date of it. But when it comes down to it, this is not something that caught Seattle by surprise. They knew about it. Exactly. And um, it certainly seems as though the process was already well in hand for him to plead down to a minor charge and move on from it. And, again, Seattle knew all of this was a potential and was coming. So I don't think it affects his status on the roster whatsoever.
2: You're listening to Tony Softley on Saturdays. Uh, my guest right now is Curtis Crabstreet. He's always here with me. I shouldn't even call him a guest. He's just a sit-in guy. Uh, that handles his business. Covers a lot of stuff for uh, Sports Radio 950 KGR. Seattle Seahawks. He covers the Huskies. He covers the Mariners. Let's switch gears now and talk about the Huskies. You just heard Phil Steele uh, say that he ranked the Huskies at number eight. Your thoughts about these guys going into uh, 2016?
1: Yeah, it might be a little loftier than I, I, I think would the jump on. AP at this has point.
2: them at what? 17.
1: Um, I think they're probably a top 25 caliber team.
2: Yeah, that's why I said top 25. Um, he said eight. I was like, whoa.
1: Um, I, I mean, like again, I, look, if, if they win the PAC 12 North and end up competing, you know, go, having the PAC, uh, uh, playing in the PAC 12 championship game there at that point, they probably are a top 10 team because you, if you're, if you have a chance to win a major conference, you're definitely going to be in the top 20, unless you, less the North is terrible and they get in at like seven and five or something weird. Right. Um, so certainly. They have some potential. I think they have a chance to make a run at the North this year. Um despite the game being in Eugene, I think it's the first ch- legitimate chance they have in a long time to beat Oregon.
2: Well, that's why I asked uh, Phil in the in the interview, what about Oregon, you know? And he says, "Hey, you know, Stanford and Washington have to come play there." In, they don't really know.
1: have a quarterback right
2: now. No, they don't, but they always seem to find somebody, you know. I don't know. That just there's something about Oregon that these guys have to get over that hump, and I, I hopefully it's this year. I agree with that. I hope it's it happens in 2016. I mean,
1: just look at how poor they played a year ago when Vernon Adams couldn't play. I mean, the drop-off was immense. Oh, yeah. Um, and I can't even what Jeff Lockie, is that who it yes, was? Yes, yes. Um, he was not good. So if they're still struggling to find a quarterback, that doesn't speak very high to me. Uh, yes, I know they have the kid transfer from Mont- Montana State there as well, but um, if you don't have a quarterback, again, just like the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, it's really tough to win. And if they don't have a quarterback, it could be tough. Uh, I think Washington should expect an uptick from Jake Browning this year. Miles Gaskin is a legit stud. And the defense, certainly I was shocked by how good it was last year, given that they'd lost four guys to the NFL draft the year before. Um, If they can be anywhere near that defensively with the the expected uptick of the offense. Now, the receiving core is kind of crap. They've got to get more production out of their wide receivers.
2: Well, the, who's the one kid that uh, Phil mentioned that's that was hurt last year? John coming. Ross? Yeah. Well,
1: well, they had converted him defensive back at one point, so now he's back on that offensive side of the ball as well. So What, I mean, what, was, I,
2: what was his injury, not to interrupt uh,
1: I don't remember offhand. It's been a while since I've thought about John Ross. So um, yeah, He's been out for a while. Well, yeah, he missed all of last season. Yeah. So I haven't thought about him since 14. Um, I, but, yeah, they, I mean, the receiving core is not – particularly stellar by any stretch. So they need to find somebody to step up for them there. Um, Dante Pettis is okay.
2: Well, there was rumors that Buda Baker was, was uh, being auditioned on the other side. Did you hear that?
1: Uh, I would not screw around with that, personally. Yeah, that's that's
2: what uh, – he might be a two-way player. And well, he, some spot I, I can see
1: him play special teams and be a running back. He's not a receiver to me. I've seen him play running back at Bellevue, and he can do that. He certainly can do that but he's i mean receiver i think that's a little different animal.
2: Hmm. interesting. Interesting. Bring us up to date on the Mariners. What's going on there?
1: Uh, they've won 5 of 7 on the home stand. I good. believe, which that's is good. a good jump back. Uh, they're back to two I think two or three games over 500 now. Um after they bottomed out there uh with losing 10 of 12 and six straight coming home. Uh they're getting healthier. And that's the biggest thing and ultimately um There's, like, a real timeline on Felix Hernandez now. Um, He threw a bullpen session yesterday, which I watched um, before the game. Uh, Looked pretty good through 43 pitches. Um, He will uh, have a simulated game that he'll have in Houston. And then he said he believes his first rehab start would come July 10th uh, with the Everett Aqua Sox against uh, the Spokane Indians up in Everett. Uh, And then after that you would assume 5 days later on the 15th would be against uh, with Tacoma against uh, Colorado Springs and then theoretically 5 days after that would be the soonest you'd expect him back here which would be september or er, j- j- september July uh, July 20th against the Chicago White Sox.
2: So, I mean, when he comes back, is there going to be a pitch count on him? Are they going to control his effort I on the mound? I
1: don't think so. I think for the most part, when Felix is back, they're going to expect him he's to be back. He's just ready to go. Yeah. Would you? I, I mean, if you're talking about pitch count, I mean, maybe they limit him to 90, yeah, 95. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not going to be like they, they put him on a 70 pitch count or something like that. No. He, he, if he When he's going to be back, he's going to be back.
2: Would you hold him after the break?
1: Hold it. Well, he's. it's already going to be after the break. Okay. The break is like then. the 12th, 13th, 14th, right. somewhere that's right. in that range. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, they. I believe they opened the second half on the 15th, so it would be the end of the first opening homestand of the second, second half, half, which okay. they have a six-game homestand. I can't remember who the first team was here, but the second is Chicago. It's Houston and Chicago, uh, and he would theoretically start the final game of that homestand uh, against Chicago before they go back out on the road. Theoretically. That's if everything goes to plan. Um, They keep him on a five-day rotation once he has his first start in Everett, assuming that's the 10th. So somewhere around the 20th of July is when you can, I think, reasonably expect to see Felix Hernandez back in the Mariners rotation.
2: I just got a direct uh, message uh, from a fan of the show here that's asking me, ask Curtis, uh, give an update on both uh, Rawls and Graham. Do you know anything?
1: It's nothing since the end of minicamp. Um, They were not practicing then. Um, you know, the, each of them were kind of jogging around and doing a couple things on the side, but very, very limited at that point, nothing we've heard suggests that they won't be ready for the start of the season. Um, the start of training camp, I would probably expect both of them to begin on the physically unable to perform list, um, which they can come off of at any time in training camp, right? If they're put on PUP at the start of training camp, that doesn't mean they're out for the first six weeks. If they're not on it from the start of training camp, they can't be on it for the start of the season. So it's one of those things procedurally you backstop with Mm -hmm. uh, to make sure it's okay. But, yeah, I wouldn't expect either of them to theoretically be there ready to go first day of camp. But I would think by the time you start getting to the preseason games starting uh, about 10, 10, 12 days into camp that they'd be back practicing. I wouldn't surprise me if neither of them saw any preseason games. But I, I think at this point, everything we've heard suggests that they'll both be ready by the start of the season.
2: Yeah, it's good because uh, they need both those guys to get going. And when does uh, training camp start for Seattle? Do July you know? 29th. July 29th. The Friday. I see that 35,000 people have already uh, bought out all the uh, passes to come to attend uh, the practice sessions.
1: That's what I've seen as well.
2: It's unbelievable. I mean, is that was it sell out each year? Oh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, and quickly.
2: Yeah, they they're very proficient on how they get those fans in and out. They get them down uh they park down at the landing and they and they're bust up and uh it's a good time. If you're part of that 35,000, you are very very lucky cuz it's a uh it's very professionally done. I've been to several training camps uh three different organizations uh and four and one other one with the uh as a media member. And Seattle runs the best. Of course, it's you know you got the lake backdrop and all that, and it's uh, look I'm looking forward to that. Well,
1: look, there ain't too much of a better time anywhere than late July and August here in the Seattle area, and when they're out there in training camp, it's usually about the best weather of the year. So I, I can understand.
2: Are they still going to have the uh, the golf uh, for the media and the players where they're hitting? Uh, you a- know, a- at what-
1: one point in camp, yeah, right before the Boeing Classic, they've done that just about every
2: year. Are you going to get in again? Uh, of course. <laughs> Hey, real quick, before we go to break anything on the golf front, what's going on there, man? Uh,
1: The, uh, I think it's the Bridgestone Invitational is going on in Ohio right now. Jason Day was leading it after two rounds. I've not checked in on it yet today, Um, but you've got the the British open coming up here in about two weeks at Royal Troon, um, which should be fun to watch as well. And, but uh, that's about it right now. The, the, the Bridgetown Invitational, it's, it's a limited field event, and I think there's only about 60 players playing in it. Um, and so you've got a lot of stars playing in it. Um, and, but Day they, they, they was leading it after the first two rounds.
2: Curtis, I appreciate it. That's Curtis uh, Crabtree, who uh, handles a lot of the reporting, all the reporting here at uh, 950 KJR. Coming up next on Tony Softly on Saturdays, I'm going to talk about the NFL supplemental draft, which is on July 14th. You don't want to miss this. You're listening to Sports Radio 950. KJR.
1: We're back live and local with former NFL executive Tony Softley on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Hello, Seattle.
2: I hope you are enjoying that 4th of July weekend. As soon as I'm done here in about 30 minutes, I'm going to be out there with you. But for right now, let's talk a little bit of NFL supplemental draft. And as I spin through uh, a couple of publications and and websites that I follow that I have a lot of respect for, Pro Football Talk is reporting that uh, Dominic Robertson, who was actually a tackle for us at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, was hospitalized on uh, Thursday in California for a gunshot wound.
0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and community safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov/careers.
2: Please, so he sounds like he's in uh, a little bit of hot water. Talented kid went undrafted. I thought he should have been drafted in the later rounds. Uh, sounds like he's okay, but uh, was involved in uh, some kind of shooting. So, uh, and he was on the receiving end of that, unfortunately. Each and every year, uh, the NFL holds a supplemental draft, uh, and and I would uh, pay just as important, just much of importance on the supplemental draft as I did the regular draft. Uh, and the scouts that handled that area, that school, the player coming out would be responsible for digging and getting all that information, just like they would normally do uh, for any other draftee. Uh, but this is uh, college players who have who have lost eligibility because of failed drug tests, suspensions, or violating team rules, undisclosed reasons. From universities or colleges, academic failures are some major off-the-field issues uh, that are red flags for several NFL teams, but not for all. The only real difference between a few of these players uh, drafted in the spring and, and opposed to the summer is production and the ability to maintain eligibility uh, for three to four years uh, in, at the college level. So with that, with that being said, I, I go back and I look at some of the, um, the players that uh, have come out in years past, in the supplemental draft, uh, the most recent is Isaiah Battle, who was the big offensive tackle from Clemson. Uh, he, When he did his workout last year in, in July, every team was there. Every team was there. He's, he's a big, good-looking athlete with length and feet. I mean, he's everything you want. Uh, he had some off-the-field issues that are well-documented. I don't need to spray it across the airway. Uh, and some family issues as well, and he ended up going in the fifth round. Now, keep in mind, if you take a, a, a use a, a supplemental draft pick, say fifth rounder, you lose that next year. So, you know, a lot of people don't go high, not unless they really feel good about it. Now, in 2012, the Cleveland Browns took Josh Gordon, gave up a second-round pick. They They took him in the second round of the supplemental, gave up a second-round pick in their future. And the reason why he was dismissed from Baylor was because of failed marijuana tests. Well, that seems to have followed him all the way to the NFL. Remember, Tigers never change their stripes. That's, that's an old thing I have saying. One of my old uh, coaches and my scouting director, Lee used to tell me that all the time. Don't get caught up and fall in love with these players because if they have those issues, it's about eight out of ten times that issue is going to pop up again in their career. And it's, it's really true for him. Terrell Pryor in 2011, quarterback. He uh, was a third rounder for the Oakland uh, Raiders. He was suspended for uh, part of a, a NCAA investigation of improper benefits. There were several players involved in that. I still, they, they got to find a way to. I think he's at Cleveland, right, Kurt? Terrell, well, Terrell Pryor is he at yeah. Cleveland?
1: Yeah, as a receiver. Yeah.
2: I, I I mean, he's so athletic, man. He might be one of the most athlete best athletes I've seen in the last well, fifteen years. I when
1: mean, when he was here, he told us he couldn't catch.
2: That was my next question. He did did he not want to play wide receiver no. when he came here? He, no, he didn't. He, he wanted said to be a quarterback? He,
1: can, he said he couldn't catch anyway, so there was no point.
2: Wow. Did they work him out?
1: Uh not anytime I saw.
2: Okay, so he he just came up for he a He was visit. a quarterback here. Yeah. no okay. well,
1: no, he was on the roster.
2: See, I don't remember that. What year was it?
1: Uh, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. He was he was the third quarterback in training camp.
2: I was still in St. Louis. Okay, uh,
1: that would have been the fourteen season. Mm-hmm. So it would have been him, Tavares, and Terrell Pryor.
2: Love him as an athlete, man. You know, sometimes they're just not uh, wired right, as as uh, Bill Walsh used to say, just not wired right. You know, uh, Josh Brent in two thousand ten, uh, nose tackle, uh, ended up getting a seventh round uh, pick. In the supplemental went to Dallas. Uh, academics uh, is what uh, derailed his college uh, football uh, career. Uh, Ahmad Brooks, who was a hell of an outside linebacker at the University of Virginia. And then with uh, Cincinnati and, and the 49ers, um, dismissed for uh, you know, college rules or, or college team rules. And we all know what that is. Um, let's see. Who else is of note? Jamal Williams, second round. Uh, Nose tackle, Uh, he was declared academically ineligible uh, his senior season at Okie State. Uh, Played for San Diego Chargers at a high, high level. I think that was worth the second-round pick. Um, Chris Carter, when did Chris Carter? He came in and came out in the supplemental. That was 1987. Came out in the supplemental uh, before his senior season for signing with an agent. That's what got Bo Jackson, too. Bobby Humphrey. Running back.
1: Wait, Bo was a supplemental guy?
2: He he was ineligible and could only go play. He he was ineligible because he went to Alabama. Uh, he flew to Alabama. And then he 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 couldn't play. He was after football. He was going into his last season. And then, no, he wasn't a supplemental guy, but he was ineligible. Let me back that up. Uh, and then he got uh, drafted by, I want to say the Raiders.
1: He played for the Raiders.
2: And did not – oh, no, it was the Bucks, And then he went and played baseball for Kansas City. And then the Raiders picked up his rights. That's how I think he ended up in the Raiders. But, no, he was not supplemental. Chris Carter definitely was in 87. Bobby Humphrey in 89, really good running back at, out of Alabama. Ended up playing with uh, the Denver Broncos for years. Uh, Bobby Moore, wide receiver uh, out of Syracuse, first round in 1990. Uh so there's there's been quite a few guys uh, in the supplemental. Bernie Kozar, 1985. He, they gave up. Cleveland gave up for first round. That worked out for him. He came out early. He graduated his junior year. He wanted out, so he came out uh, after that, after the graduation. Al Hunter, back in '77, running back, fourth round. He was a Seattle Seahawk out of Notre Dame, suspended from his team for uh, disciplinary reasons. Notre Dame let him go. He joined the uh, into the supplemental draft in 77, uh, fourth-round pick for uh, the Seattle Seahawks. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's reason for guys, but there's talent. There's talent. And, and do they roll the dice on them? Absolutely. And everybody, there's a couple of direct messages coming in here. Why would people roll the dice on these guys that have issues? Well, because they want to win. You know, it, it, it doesn't sound right. It's not always right, but, uh, you know, the NFL is all about winning. Can that guy help them win? Can that guy help them get into the playoffs? Can that guy help them in the AFC, NFC championship? Can that guy help them, uh, uh, you know, be a part of their team and their organization to achieve a Super Bowl? That that's what, an owner's, that's what the owners are thinking. That's what they're thinking. I mean, that's what they spend all the money for, all the salaries, the travel, everything, the investment. The millions and billions of dollars that they've invested in their organization, if one to five players are difference makers, they're going to give it a shot. But you look at Josh Norman in 2012, I mean, this guy's been suspended each and every year since then because of marijuana use. He was out all last year, missed the whole season. And now he's on the street. They're trying to uh, – do you know what's going on with him? Have you got an update on on where he's at Uh, on the reinstatement?
1: He is not eligible for reinstatement until I want to say sometime either in August or September. Yeah,
2: yeah, as soon as training camp's uh, available. It's going to be really interesting to see which team picks him up, if a team picks him up.
1: Well, he's still under the Browns' property.
2: For how many more years?
1: Well, he hasn't ticked off because of suspensions. Oh, man. So, I mean, if he's going to play, it's going to be with the Browns. And the Browns, if he's not able to play, trade should him. let him play. Who are they going to
2: trade him to? His trade value yeah, sucks. Yeah, exactly. That's just bad. That's why, they're, you know, when I was at Carolina, you know, especially compared to the Rams, Mr. Richardson was totally against all that. Do not bring a guy in here that's had drugs, beat women, any assaults, arrests. I mean, it was it was very easy. If this Like Josh Norman would have went on a board called d d do not draft. We wouldn't even have touched him. Now, in the Rams, it was a totally different gig. Yeah, yeah, this guy can play. Let's let's, let's take it, you know. And I'm sitting back listening to this and my arrival there, and I, I was shaking my head because it was a totally different world for me. And every team has different philosophies and, and different grading systems on how they handle character. Obviously, how they handle medical character, athleticism, everything. But, again, and I'll, I'll never forget Dominelli, my first college director, the guy that broke me in, that taught me a lot and helped form – how I went about my business as a college director and, and a vice president along with Bill Pullen and, and uh, Bill Walsh is those guys aren't going to change. You know, they, they were taught certain things at a certain level of their upbringing that is just in society, it's just not going to change. And, you know, it, it's real simple when you don't want to bring those guys in because that those guys are going to help get you out of here. And once it was explained to me like that, regardless of their talent level, it made it really, really easy for me to make a decision or two or fight for a guy or not fight for a guy in the draft room.
1: Well, look, if you're looking for completely squeaky clean guys in every spot on your roster, you're probably not going to end up finding enough guys to fill your team. I'm not talking about yeah, that. So there, there has to be some, some, but on the flip side, there has to be some things that you can't try to mess with and can't try to bring in because it's just, They are what they are, and they're going to get you into problematic situations.
2: There's no question. And like I said, it's those guys that are of multiple arrests and and assaults and beating women and, and drugs. Just put them over there in that category over there. And then there's plenty, like Mr. Richardson used to say, there's plenty of other players for us to choose from on this draft board. Why do I want to bring that guy into my organization or that guy into this community and have that stuff? And that's really what surprised me when they took the kid out of Ole Miss. Um, that beat up his girlfriend and threw on the bed of guns and and, and played for Dallas last year, the defensive end, um, Greg Hardy. Yes, man, I don't, I have no idea why the staff down at Ole Miss was scared of this guy. It just, I don't know. Things change, I guess, over the years. When you really want to win, I hope he doesn't. He hasn't changed like well, that. Well,
1: they had a pretty bad stretch there for a while with NAT Were what one in fifteen with Clawson, or was that maybe that was even earlier? Maybe they were two and fourteen that year, and they'd had the the one in fifteen stretch early in the two thousands and had not been very good outside of a couple of Delome years.
2: Yeah, you know what. Um, that's not true because we actually were in the playoffs the second year of our ex- existence. No,
1: I know that. That was back in 96, though.
2: Yeah, that was 96. And then we had a bad stretch. We had uh, Fred Lane was killed by his wife. We had, uh, oh, the wide receiver out of Colorado that's uh, in prison for setting up his uh, his pregnant wife, Ray and Carruth, Ray Carruth and, and shooting her. And, and he didn't shoot, but he hired two guys to kill her. And it, it, it was a bad stretch. You're right. And then... Um, you know, Chris Winkie, the Heisman Trophy winner, we went 1-15 with him. And That's then, the year I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah, and then they fired George Seifert. Here comes John Fox. Two years later, we're in the Super Bowl. So
1: Yeah, th- that was a good stretch. And it, but then it fell back off the map again.
2: Yeah, it's uh, for two or three years. And then they, they went 12-4 and four and then got upset by Arizona the year they went to the Super Bowl. That was supposedly going to be their year. You're not guaranteed anything. And then, uh, you know, they've been kind of fighting and staying up there. They're a team that's always kind of been in the hunt, but just uh,
1: well, they've been they've been a team that's either really good or really bad. They haven't been mired in any mediocrity, really, like teams like Miami, um, you know, where they're perennially seven and nine. St. Louis has been perennially five and eleven to seven and nine. Right, and they um, have their three. They've window. had years where they've been fourteen wins, and they've had years where they're fourteen losses.
2: They've always seemed to be picking in the draft. Between 8 and 17, which doesn't do you any good. It really doesn't. It really, really doesn't. We got to go to a break. You're listening to Tony Safi on Saturdays. The fan voice is coming up. Your chance to text us at 49451 or give us a buzz 206 286. 9595. You're listening to Tony Softley on Saturdays right here on 950 KJR.
0: We're back live and local with former NFL executive Tony Softley on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR.
2: Last segment before I uh, get off the air and pass the baton to my man Slickhawk. Just want to make sure everybody understands to have a nice safe 4th of July weekend. Curtis, are they allowed to do fireworks in your neighborhood?
1: Uh, I Is it so. city?
2: Is it city banned? Or is it- I, I honestly don't know. I can't. I don't know. I, I just got back here a year ago, almost two years now. And uh, I used to get together with the guys in St. Louis, and in Carolina, and literally we would almost blow up the block. There were so many fireworks and That explosive. was childhood for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And Ariel and.
1: My, my cousin used to work for the Forest Service.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm, and mm, mm. he
1: used to be a part of people who confiscated the illegal stuff.
2: Nice. What did they do? And
1: ninety percent of the illegal stuff got turned in. <laughs> yeah. The rest of it made it to our place.
2: Yeah, ten percent went to you. That's good. Join us now on the line is my man Cliff from Tacoma. Cliff, what's happening? Hey,
3: how are you doing? This is Brad hey, Bradtree.
2: Doing good, buddy.
3: Hey, uh Happy Fourth. Before I go any further, but what I wanted to comment on on was that uh, hundred list, I think, send a statement of what the outside the region sports aficionado think about this team when you start looking at individual players. And there's no mention, I, I believe, um, some of our, our crucial uh, players that are on there. Um, uh, I, we, we look at Russell Wilson and how Camp Newton is rated off one year, one season, and not the body of work. When you look at the expectation of first-year rookie quarterback, that that didn't happen until um, Wilson uh, went in there. But again, he was diagnosed as the caretaker quarterback. And did you better look at what this team has done. And truly, it has been a team effort. Except for last year, was where there was some selfishness that came into play um, as far as money issues. But when you start looking at the ball, the ball distribution, and how this team plays, they're they're focused. But yet I think that gets lost in the national media. It gets lost on what the defense have done and how the offense have grown. Yeah, you know what?
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, You know, it does get lost in that, not only in the national media. The local media knows because they see these guys every day. But I think what it comes down to is, you know, it's a team game, and you look at their track record when Pete got here until today and John Snyder as well, they're building a program to last. Their their window, I don't see it closing for a while just because of the core players they're signing, the players they're drafting, uh, the free agents that they're getting to uh, develop into players. Uh, And, you know, when you look at it, again, it's a team sport, but when you look at it, you know, Pete and John have done a great job of getting everybody right, getting everybody focused, keeping everybody on the same page. And I thought it would be challenging for Pete after uh, Russell threw that interception to lose the Super Bowl. I thought I thought it would be challenging, but it wasn't. It was inside that building, but it wasn't really outside of the building. And you know, Curtis, what, what's your uh, your feedback from Cliff?
1: Uh. Well, knowing the way that that list is put together, I don't put a whole lot of stock into what it is anyway or what it means in general. It's just an arbitrary list of rankings of players that is based on really nothing whatsoever. So um, I don't read a whole lot into it one way or the other. Just
2: some excitement. You know, just like you said, stir it up for July. I, I
1: don't pay two seconds of interest to it.
2: I can't get to 50 players. You know how hard it would be to stack a player over a player? Carson Palmer over Russell Wilson? Get out of here. He hasn't won anything. Why would you even why would you even put him ahead of Russell Wilson? I don't get it. And Jackson, one of our producers here at, at KJR, he tweeted out something and he knew I was going to jump on it and I had to refrain myself from getting on Twitter and blowing up the NFL network. I really did. Not literally. I'm actually figured, you know, figuratively speaking. Greg, how you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Appreciate you joining the show, man. What's going on?
3: Yeah, no problem. Um, you you guys already touched on the Bobby Wagner that just makes that list a farce. But r- what really drives me crazy is the dialogue still about, especially from Tyron Matthew, about um, Richard Sherman, how he only plays half the field when he held the best receiver, six receptions, 51 yards, Jess Bryant two for 18 and then after Kerry Williams just got waxed by A.J. Green, Sherman flips over and he's one for seven for 12 yards and just and the final thing I'll say is when their league's best player will not even give Richard Sherman a look, I think it's game over. It pretty much says it all. So In defense of Richard Sherman is what I'm doing. I
2: appreciate the call and, and I agree with you. Richard Sherman, you know, Players know players. Players know who the players are. There's no question about that. This guy, you're right, holds down half the field. They'll send him a, a, and mirror the their, their opponent's best receiver. I mean, Sherm at first doesn't get a lot of credit, but when you start looking at his game week in, week out for the season, um, this guy is a very, very good football player. And I watch him in practice session, and, and I'll tell you what, he's got the work ethic you're looking for. He's kind of a quiet player. You don't hear a lot of talk and a lot of boisterous uh, he's just a guy that gets after it He hones his craft He's got a passion for the game And that's what I mean by a full process of football Lifting, running, uh, you know, OTAs, whatever He's always there And he's in the community He's got a softball game coming up, right?
1: Yes, he does When is that? I don't know the date, but it's at Safeco Field
2: It's got to be here real soon Yeah, pretty quick Yeah, it's got to be here real soon it, 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 You can probably go out on our app on iHeartMedia and, and get all that information and uh, check it out uh, but uh, if you get a chance, uh, go down and check out Richard Sherman. It's it's for a good cause uh, down there at Safeco Field. So, anything else you got, Curtis?
1: Uh, no, I'm good. I'm ready for football to get started at some point here. Uh,
2: it's too much. It's, we got a window that's a little long, man. We still got a little bit of yeah. You got to
1: try to fit some golf in here before football. <laughs> you were going to say that. Yeah.
2: That's good. Good for you. I'm going to do some fishing and and probably some golf and spend time with the family. But uh, right now, I want to thank uh, Trevor Moad from uh, Moad uh, Consulting Group for joining us. Phil Steele from College Football Preview, and my man Curtis Crabtree, who is always strong each and every Saturday along with me. Follow me on Twitter at softlysea or check check me out on TonySoftly.com for unique football content. Have a safe and great Fourth of July weekend, Seattle. Coming up-